0: This week's Parish Rabbi says, is Pinchas, and in parsha's Pinchas, in parak Chav Zion, pasuk Tez Zion to Te Yud Zion, the Psukim say as follows: Meishar Abeno Davins Takeresh Barchu, and he asks Meishar he asks the Rabbanish Shalem to appoint a successor for Klal Yisrael, and this was the the job description that he provided for Takeresh Barchu to fill. Yifkad Hashem lekearuches lechal baser. HaKadosh Baruch should appoint somebody who is able, Ish ala who is going to be a man that's in control of the entire tzibor, the entire congregation. Asher yeetzei lufneem. And he's expected to go out in front of them. V'asher yeovei He's able to return in front of them. He's going to lead them, he's going to bring them back. And then Meishu Rabbeinu continues that Kala Yisrael should not be like a flock that has no shepherd. So it was HaKadosh Baruch Hu's job now to fulfill Meishu Abenu's requirements of leadership. And what we see from this, that Meishu Rabbeinu was actually giving HaKadosh Baruch Hu the contours and the principles on which leadership is built. And, of course, Hakarish Baruch Hu chose Yeshua ben Nun, Meishra Abenu's, uh right-hand man, as his successor. But what we see is a very, very interesting thing in what Meishra Abenu, uh says, if you're medayik, from his words. He says that one of the main things to be a leader... Is Asher Yetze which means that a Jewish leader, leadership from a Yiddish perspective, from a Jewish perspective, is dependent on being able to lead from in front of the people. Asher Yetze because you see that there are two styles of leadership. There is one style of leadership that the leader actually leads. The leader is the one that takes control, he has some core values, he has core beliefs, and he understands that in his role as being the driver, the captain of the ship, he has to stick to those goals, stick to those core beliefs, core values, and be manig the eda accordingly. Whether or not his decisions, whether or not the direction that he's taking the people is popular or not, is irrelevant. Obviously, it's relevant in the sense that he has to try to make the people understand why he's doing what he's doing. He has to sell the people on the concepts, on the ideas of the hashkafas, of what he's trying to bring about. But in terms of who is leading whom, the leader is the one that leads. You see, there's another way of leading, and that's very common that we find nowadays that the leader is just a leader because he was elected to be the leader. He was selected to be the leader. But, in fact, all he's doing constantly is polling what the people want. And that changes from day to day. There's no basic core values. There's no basic morality. There's no set of, uh, of tenets that, that he's abiding by because he personally believes in anything. He believes in maintaining power, maintaining popularity, getting re-elected, whatever it takes. And in order to do that, he has polling groups. He has people that are constantly trying to determine, based on poll numbers and based on um, different types of focus groups, what exactly the people want. And just like we could determine what people want when it comes to marketing Advertisers use these types of marketing, what, what colors are popular today, what, uh, what type of, uh, uh, of, of media would capture people's imagination, attention. The same thing is true with leaders. Leaders are sometimes they're just looking to find what the people want and they want to please the people. Now, that's not always a terrible thing. But what it means is that you can basically waffle and waver about everything. There's nothing that you really believe in other than staying in power. And very often that means selling out your core beliefs, your core, core values, just in order to maintain popularity. And this is something that we find if you're a, a historian or you're a, you're, you study political science. There are many people that feel that this is the right way to lead because you have to maintain your popularity, your power, And you have to make the people constantly happy. So basically, the people are the ones that determine what you are going to be doing with them. Now, that is not the hashkafas HaTairah. The hashkafas HaTairah is, as we see in Meirsharabain's description of what he wants in order to be a successor for him in the in the form and the shape that he led, is that I don't care about popularity. Mesh Rabbeinu never did anything to please the people. Meishu Rabbeinu, as we find in these parshas of Bamidbar, there are so many times that the people actually were not happy with the way that Meishu Rabbeinu was, was leading them for whatever reason. They weren't happy with the, the Mon, they weren't happy with the Slav, they weren't happy with the Be'er, they weren't happy with the Anani uh, Covid. they weren't happy with the fact that Meishu Rabbeinu and Aaron were leaders together, and there was constantly these rebellions and upheavals. Meishu Rabbeinu was not leading the people based on what he felt the people wanted but rather what he felt the people needed. Al pi Hashem yachanu, Valpi pi Hashem yisau, was commanding Meishu Rabbeinu, everything was done al pi das teira. everything was done al pi the rots Hashem, and what the people want was not relevant to Meishu Rabbeinu, because that's not what a leader is. By definition, a leader is somebody asher yeetzei lefneim, v'asher Yave lefneim, a person that will go and lead in front of the pack, He's not looking to see what the people want, and you know, licking his finger and seeing which way the wind is blowing, and determining uh, based on that what he should be doing. That's not the. That's not a Yiddish approach to leadership. That's not the way Klaiso, a, a leader by Klayso, is somebody that he's the captain of the ship. And just like a captain of the ship doesn't ask the people, uh, where are we going, which direction do you think we should be going? you ever go on an airplane and the pilot says, do you think we should be flying at this altitude or that altitude? Do you think we should be speeding up? should we should be slowing down? Whatever he decides, that's what, that's, everybody is, is on board with that. He's the leader. If every single person would be determining about you know, voting on an airplane, about how to fly it and how to land it and where to, where to stop and where not to stop, it would be anarchy. And so, a Jewish leader is very similar. It has to be somebody, He's going out in front of them, he's showing the direction to the people, and the people are going to follow him. Now, this is not to be mistaken for for dictatorship, or or despots, who basically, you know, you find in these rogue nations, you find these leaders that are starving their people, taking all their wealth, people like, Stalin, people like in in North Korea, the regime there, people in Iran, that's not what I'm talking about. Those are people that they are just purely uh, power hungry and they want to do things against the will of their people at all costs. They don't care. The job of a leader of Kaisal is to lead with hashkafas that he believes in with core values, not to sell them out because he wants to maintain his power. But at the same time, you also have to try to make the people understand what you're doing and make them believe in what you're doing and, and basically explain to them that this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants, this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu demands. And even though it might not be popular, even though that the, the culture around us might be very different from what the Torah expects of us, but this is what the Torah wants. And this is the job of a leader. It's a very delicate balancing act that every leader has to do. You have to lead with your core beliefs and with HaKadosh Baruch in mind and at the same time you have to always make sure that the people understand, they respect what you're doing, they respect who you are and try to keep them in line so that you don't fall into the category of being a, a dictator that has not their people's interests in mind. You have to make it, sure, make it clear that the people's interests are on the forefront of your mind, but that this is what's in your best interest. You find this in in war as well. This concept of asher yezim, asher yevim, asher yezim lefneim, asher Yahweh lefneim, this is also the Jewish way as leadership militarily. You find, for example, many examples, but I would say one of the major examples is by Gideon. In Sefer Shaeftim, in Perik Zayin Pasuk Yud Zayin, when he was leading the army of Klal Yisrael against Plishtim, against the Plishtim, the Pasuk says as follows, a very, very informative Pasuk about Jewish leadership. <laughs> Gidon says to the people, to the army, me many tiru, you're going to see from me what to do, and that's how you'll follow. I'm going to come to the edge of the camp. Whatever I'm doing, that's what you're expected to do. Meaning that's also an element of Asher Yetse I'm leading you. I'm in charge of you, and I am i have skin in the game. I'm not just doing things by remote control from a, a back um, war room somewhere in Washington, D.C. I'm commanding troops. I'm going on the front lines. I'm the first in battle, and you'll follow me. A leader is supposed to be somebody that has core principles, core values, and then actually does it himself. The people see that he means it that he himself is 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 doing it himself if the people don't see that and they see a certain hypocrisy that they're just being sent out to battle or being sent out to do a certain thing but personally they're not the leadership is not doing it themselves that's the end of leadership I guess the best example of that would be in um, in, in in communist Russia we know that communism I always feel and don't tar and feather me for this, but in a certain way, communism is a brilliant idea because there's a lot of social uh, inequality in in this country, in all capitalistic countries. You see it so clearly. Today, you know, the the billionaires are becoming wealthier and wealthier. In the last few months of COVID, there's been like a stock market boom. The billionaires of this country have they become, like, richer by a third. So people like uh, Jeff Bezos, the head of Amazon, I think he's up. His stock is worth $69 billion more since COVID than before COVID. You'd think that the market would crash. No, his stock went up, and so did all the other major stocks. But you see, at the same time, look at the poor people or the middle-class people. They're suffering. They don't have jobs. The retail businesses have shut down there's no, there's very little, you know, stores that open and, and that can operate in a normal fashion. People are out of work. People are not going uh, on vacations. I spoke to somebody in Eretz the other day that has a very famous store in in and he told me that he's suffering terribly. No tourists are coming. He has no no one coming into his store yet. To let all of his employees go on furlough because he can't afford to. To hire, it's, we don't understand, or some of us might, but many of us don't understand how COVID is really causing a lot of people a lot of problems. But there's a great social injustice in terms of in terms of the the the, the wealth distribution in this in this world. That there are com- there could be people that are billionaires, and then there are people that are homeless. That Ein lan and lechel. Communism is not a terrible idea. If you think about it, there's problems to communism because it takes away a certain degree of uh, motivation. If I'm not getting wealthy, I'm not going to be motivated to make a better, a better mousetrap, to, to build a better widget, I, because who cares? What difference does it make? I don't have to, you know, and if my car is not the best car that I'm building or if my, if my uh, construction company is not the number one, who cares? It doesn't matter. Every, every, all the wealth is being distributed equally, so what difference does it make? That's one problem with communism. But another problem with communism was that what happened was the, in, in, in Soviet Russia, the leadership, the Politburo, the, the people that were in charge of the government, they were hypocritical. They were telling the people that everybody should have, you know, every person for what they need. And, but they themselves were pocketing tremendous amounts of wealth. To this day, there are people in Russia that are extremely wealthy. There is uh, uh, billionaires in Russia, and then there is people that, you know, that are very, very poor. So people see that there is this disconnect between the, the hierarchy and the Hamainam, and so that's why Russia ultimately fell apart, for those two reasons, and maybe a few more. But in principle, it's a great idea. Just practically speaking, it's not going to happen. It can't happen. It's not successful. Every time it's tried, it always fails in every country because, because of these reasons. But a, uh, a Jewish leader is somebody that, whatever he's saying, he does. If he's saying that, you know, that this is the economic system that we're developing. People have to see that he's doing it himself. He's also living simply, equally like everybody else. Gideon goes into battle. He's not saying, "Okay, I'll be behind you. I'm going in front of you. Whatever I do, you do. You do behind me." Do you know that to this day, that's the ethos of of the of, tzal, of of the Jewish of the Israeli Defense Forces? The main brass, the the, the top generals. They're the ones that go into battle first. Kadima is their expression. We, you know, follow me. I'm advancing, and you're going to follow me. And because of that, it's at a great cost. I, I've read articles about how the Israeli army is is sometimes you know during war they end up with the with in a, in a very bad situation because all the major talent militarily get killed because they're the ones that are chasing into into harm's way first. They're the ones going to battle, and and so. The army loses a lot of great military leadership, but that's the way it is. That's the way it's always been. A leader has to be somebody that, number one, is the one that has their core values, and they believe in it, and they're going to go with that, and that's what the people are going to follow, and number two, that they're also the ones that are doing it themselves. That they're not only talking the talk, but they're walking the walk. They're living the hashkafas, the ideology that they're espousing. They're also living. And when a person has those leadership qualities, that's what Mesh Rabbeinu says we need. We don't need somebody that's that, that's touting things based on what the people want. We don't want somebody that's going into battle, but after the people and not before the people. We want a leader, a man of the amongst the congregation, a regular person that has the leadership qualities and the courage and the bravery and the skill of Asher Yavai Lufneim. He is going to be at the head of the pack. Physically, he's going to be at the head of the pack and hashkafically, he's going to be the one that's providing guidance and direction for the people at every single twist and turn in the existence of his nation. There's a very similar vart that's said by Rabbi Shal Salanter, the great father of the Mussar movement. Rabbi Shal Salanter focused on a Mishnah at the end of Mesecha Saita. Mishnah is describing the climate when Mashiach comes, b'ikvisa the Mashiach. The, basically the period that we're living in now. The footsteps of Mashiach are heard. We, we see all of these signs uh, in the 20th century, in the 21st century, all of these uh, very, very clear signs that things are moving. Something's happening in the world. Something's happening in Shemayim that we're being primed for something. And the Mishnah in, in Saita says that we're going to have certain telltale signs when Mashiach is about to arrive. And one of the signs is, Pnei Hadar pnei That the face of the generation, the face of the generation is a, is, the, is a way of describing the leadership, meaning the face of the people. The face of the people, the leaders of Klai Yisra will be Kepnei HaKelev. They will be like the face of a dog. Not clear what that means. A lot of Mepharshim grapple with how to understand that. But what Rabbi Seol says is amazing. He says that if you ever watch a dog and its master taking a walk together, so let's say the master doesn't have a leash. So what happens? The dog runs ahead of the master. And it looks in a certain sense, or even if it does have a leash, that the dog, you never see a dog walking behind its master, right? Generally speaking, the dog is always ahead of the master, so, it looks, if you were an alien landing from outer space and you would see that situation, that, that, that event taking place, that a dog and a master are walking together, it looks like the dog is leading the master. It looks like the dog is in, is in charge. What happens, though, when you let that dog run and it goes to the corner, does it continue to run like down, That makes a right turn or a left turn and then just like goes into the, runs into the wild blue yonder? That's not what a dog does. What a dog does is it runs to the corner and at the corner it stops and it turns around and it looks back to the master. It waits for the master to come to the corner and then the master says, okay, now we're going to make a left turn or now we're going to make a right turn. That's the nature of a dog. It's, it looks like it's leading, but really it's following, in the sense that it has to wait for the Master's direction at all times. Rabbi Sol Salanter says that in the times of Mashiach, Jewish leadership, the leaders of our people... Are not going to have the skills that we just described that Meshra Abenu is giving for all times as a, a job description of a Jewish leader, of Asher Yetze that he's expected to go out in front of them and lead, regardless of what the people feel is the right thing. He's not he, he doesn't really have to reckon with that. He doesn't have to make an accounting of what the people think. He's the one that's going to lead the people and tell the people the direction that he feels is the appropriate way to go. But in the ikvizat of the we're going to ignore the sound advice of Meshach and the leadership is going to look different. They're going to appear as leaders just as a dog appears to be going to the corner and leading. They're, they're, they have the title of leader. They're the CEO of certain organizations. They are the uh, executive directors of certain organizations. They are the titular heads of certain organizations or of certain um, isms. But at the end of the day, what is guiding their principles? They don't have any core principles. They wait for the people to decide and then they follow them. They are like the proverbial Pnei kelev that waits for the Master to come and then the Master says, okay, now we're going to make a right turn. Now we're going to make a left turn. This is what we want. And when that happens, that's when Mashiach is about to come because then it's anarchy. Then we're not going to be able to be guided... Strongly and with principled leadership, but we 're going to be floundering and and, and and flailing all over the place because we 're not going to have the proper guidance and direction that maish abeno 's style of leadership would have given us because the the leaders are afraid of the people the leaders just want to stay in power at all costs, and if that means that you have to sell out on your core beliefs, so be it. You see this very often in you know in, in, in presidential. Um, politics and presidential leadership, there are some leaders that are very, very strong leaders. I would use Bibi Netanyahu as, a, as an example of a very good leader, for the most part. I know that he has done certain things over, over history that has sold out certain you know, core beliefs that he was supposed to have. But on the whole, whatever was going on in the world whether or not you know, it was popular to back uh, the Palestinians or, or, or kowtow to the Iranians or whatever, he was always very strong. He would come into America and speak to Congress to a standing ovation to the UN. He has a certain set of principles that everybody respects, and that's why he's been able to maintain his leadership for so long, because whatever you want to say about him, he has strong leadership qualities. There were certain other people throughout history. Ronald Reagan also, very core principal. I, none of you were born during his... I, that, I grew up during the presidency of Ronald He was a real Manig. He, was, he had core beliefs, and he stuck to them. And, and, you know, maybe, again, you'll always find exceptions, but on the whole, he knew what he wanted, and he led the people, and the people respected him. Winston Churchill... During the during World War Two, he was powerful. He was strong. He had convictions. He was a real leader. He led the people in the direction that they needed to be. If there was a, a weak leadership at that time, then then Germany would have completely steamrolled across the entire world. Obviously, of course, Hakadosh Baruch is always in play. I'm just speaking about b'derekh ateva how modern day leadership is supposed to be, and that's. And then there are leaders that are very, very fickle. Leaders that, and I don't want to get into which leaders I'm talking about, but leaders that they always met, they always poll what do the people want, and if it's popular today, if one day abortion is popular. I'm an abortionist. If somebody is, uh, if if one day, uh, you know, certain uh, lifestyle movements are popular, even though, you know, but if that's going to get me reelected, if that's going to, if that's what the people really want, even though at my core I was always against it, now I'm for it all of a sudden. There's no core values. It's just whatever the people want. That's in Ikhvus of the Mashiach. Pnei Hadar Just like a Kelv looks like he's leading, but he's really a follower. That's how this generation will be before Mashiach. There's no strong, courageous, principled leadership because we're so busy. We're so busy following the will of the people that we don't have the ability to lead. And this parasha teaches us that that's the absolute wrong way to lead. It always has to be Asher Yitzelufneim. Yes, you have to make the people understand what's good for them, and understand how this is the Ratzon Hashem, this is the proper way to do, this is the right thing, and we have to always sell that to the people, as many of the good leaders do, they go to the, you know, they make a fireside speech in the Oval Office, and they say, we're going to war for this and this reason, and this is the right thing to do. Or they'll stand before... Uh, the cameras in the United Nations or in, uh, or in Congress or in the Knesset and say, this is what we're going to do. And many people are against it and think it's the wrong thing. That's okay. But this is what I was elected to do and this is what my beliefs are and I'm not going to veer from them. Aki Now this is something that's also Nageya when it comes to rabbonis Rabbanus meaning Gedali Yisrael, Rabbanus meaning Rashi Yeshiva had a had a direct Yeshiva. Rabbanus meaning even on the local on a local shul level. Also, two types of leaders. Baruch Hashem Israel Yisrael have always shown the courageous type of leadership. They know what's right, and they stick to their principles. Whatever whatever it may be, they're not looking to please their their they're congregants, they're not looking to please their their community, they're not looking to please Klai So this is the right thing to do. You don't like it, there are people that are against, their are opponents, that's okay, that's healthy. But I am sticking to what the Torah Kodesh says, I'm not giving in. I'm not giving in. Leaders like Rabbi Khan Basserman, who left the, he was in America during the war on a fundraising trip, he was offered tremendous shtalas, tremendous positions, and tarvadas, and other yeshivas, just stay here, we'll make you the roshiva, you'll be the gadol adar from America. What are you going back into war-torn Europe? Nope. Famously, he went back, and he died al-Kiddush Hashem. He said, a captain is the last person to leave a sinking ship. My people are expecting me, my community, my talmidim, they're looking for me, they need my leadership now. I'm not sitting here in America, in the, you know, in the, in, in, in the creature comforts of America. I have to go back into battle. And the same is true about the Dvar Avram. Many, many leaders, they literally threw themselves back into the fire, the raging storms of Europe, in order to save their people, in order to be with their people when they needed them. They didn't back out. They weren't cowardly. They were leaders. Rabbanim have to be this way also. Very often Rabbanim, especially in America... They basically are hired employees, if you can. I don't mean to diminish their positions, but at the end of the day, they have contracts. The shul hires them, and then every year or so, their contract needs to be renewed. So it's a very understandable yetsahara that a rab might have to count out to the congregants' will. Imagine if you were a rab and you have you just moved into your house in this in the city of uh, Yehovetz and. Your wife has, uh, you know, just unpacked everything and your kids are going to local schools and you're all settled. And now, you know, your contract has to be renewed every, every 12 months or every 24 months. And something comes up and it's a, you know, sticky situation about the Mechitza or about, uh, I don't know, dan- women dancing with a Safer tyro on Simchas or a Taira Summit, whatever, whatever issue it may be. And it becomes a very difficult thing. I mean, I have my core values, but I also, you know, my kids are used to eating and, and having a roof over their heads. So it's sort of a, a, a tug of war internally. Like, what do I do? Put yourself into a rough shoes. What do you do? Do you put your foot down and say, I'm sorry, I, I can't do this. And, and I'm willing to give up everything for this. Or do you, or do you, uh, or do you give in? Do you, uh, do you surrender? Do you wave the white flag and say, listen, guys, whatever you want. If, let's say, the shul is doing something and it, it, you don't think it's appropriate to do. But, you know, it's very popular. They want to have, a I don't know, they want to have mixed dancing at the shul dinner, let's say. I know these are old things, but, you know, going back 40, 50 years, this, these were, that was the battlefield. If you read the great book, All for the Boss, his yard site was, I think, Shavasar Batamas two days ago. And um, in that book, you see that this was a man... Rabbi Yaakov Herman was a man, a balabas in America, a very chush of a balabas, but he had a fur business, and he he changed the landscape of America because he had core values. He would go into shuls that had signs outside of them, "We're going to have a mixed dancing dinner this year," and he would go and he would scream from the pulpit without permission that it's aser minatayra to dance with other people's wives. And uh and, and they would literally physically throw him out. They would take him and they would throw him out. But you know, he would go on the boardwalk on Coney Island and uh where there were from boys and girls on the beach going mixed swimming, and he would wear placards on his body. And you know, with and the placards would say you know, Jewish boys and girls are forbidden to to go mixed swimming. Nobody knew that; they didn't necessarily know that there was anything wrong with doing this. But he was the one that, at personal cost, he stuck by his values and he he he, he led the he led the way. Asher yetsi and maybe because of him, it's normal today for shuls never to consider having mixed dancing. I don't think that normal, you know, even the most modern Orthodox shuls would consider that because. That's, that's already a battle that was fought, and, and Baruch Hashem won by the early pioneers in America. But it's not, it's not something that happened by itself. It happened because leadership said, this is the Ratzon Hashem, this is Das Taira, this is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants, and we can't, this is, not, this is not negotiable. This is something that we must do, this is our core beliefs, this is what we live by, this is the Taira. So Rabbonim have this constant struggle. It's not easy to be a rav today. It might not be that the battle line, that that the battlefields are uh, the battlegrounds are are mixed dancing, Baruch Hashem, mixed swimming, Baruch Hashem. Uh, um, you know these types of kol isha issues, but there are other issues that constantly come up. As everybody here knows, there's always issues, and and it's always political, and it's always difficult. To know what to do and what not to do, and whether a woman could be a a president of a shul, whether a woman could be, you know, an assistant rabbi, a poseket, this is something that's, these are difficult issues because many people in many communities, they don't have, they didn't go to yeshiva, and if they went to yeshiva, it wasn't the yeshivas that they understood implicitly that right from wrong halacha from non-halacha, and so they basically are just looking to do what's popular. And if the women in the shul are very strong and they want to do, you know, this, they want to have dancing on some chastar women holding sefre taira, they will do that. I was once in Eretz Yisrael. I was in somebody's apartment in Eretz Yisrael. It was more of a, of a, of a, um, a Mizrahi community, I would call it. And this was a hot button issue. It's hard to imagine Eretz Yisrael that these are issues that, but they are. And the rub, I felt so bad for him because he had to literally sit. I remember it was, it was Simchas Tairah. Simchas Teirah was about to come. The women insisted that they should have their own, on their side of the mechit, so they want to say Teirah, and they want to dance with the Sefer Tair. This rub felt that it was wrong, but he just was hired. And I remember they were sitting in the sukkah, him together with a group of women, and they were... Um, basically debating it, and he was trying to be very politically correct and appease them, but at the same time stick to his core beliefs, and it was very difficult. They had to come up with some shara. but this is something that, you know, it's very understandable. I think we would all understand the Sahara the to constantly give in, because there it's my parnasa at stake, and you could be Malam on certain things. But let me tell you about a letter that Rav Hutner, Rav Hutner, the Rashi of Chaim Berlin, once wrote, on behalf of a Talmud, who was a Rav a shul, I don't know where the shul was, but I think it was an out-of-town shul, they hired this Talmud of Rav Hutner, he was a very uh, shtarka Talmud, um, you know, he had the the beliefs of the Das Tera and and, um, of of Rav Hutner, and, and, uh, and basically, he said, that this is my 10th anniversary dinner, and he called Rav Huttner. he says, they're honoring me at the dinner, I want Rosh Hashiva to come and speak by the dinner, in, in my honor. And Rav Huttner really wanted to, but he wasn't physically able to travel, so instead he wrote a beautiful letter, which is, I think, a greater thing that happened, because now we have the letter. If he would have just spoken, who knows if anyone would have ever recorded it for posterity. But now we have the letter. This is the letter that Rav Huttner wrote to this community to be read at the dinner, at the 10th dinner of, of the hiring of this Rav. And he says as follows. He says, I want to commend you and congratulate you on having such an outstanding rub that you appointed and that you kept for 10 years. And he says as follows. He says, you know, if you go to certain towns, there's something, there's like a clock in the town. And sometimes the clock is on the top of the city hall building sometimes the clock is raised on like a big pedestal um, maybe a 20 foot pedestal and on top of it is a is a big clock and he says that it's not clear why the clock has to be so high in these cities why is the clock have to be so high so he says the Balabatisha reason the simple reason for 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 why a clock has to be so high is because everyone should be able to see it. It should be visible from afar. If you're walking down the street, you should be able to see that this is the time. And wherever, if you're walking in one direction, another direction, from different sides, you're able to see it because it's so high. That's the simplistic reason why the clock is raised. Cesar of in his brilliance, he says, I'm going to tell you now the real reason why the clock has to be very high. He says, because if the clock was very low, let's say it would be a five-foot clock, so every single person that passes by the clock would look at his watch. He says, oh, it's 10.46, and the clock says 10.49. So what does he do? He would go to the clock, the public clock, and make the clock calibrated to his own personal watch, to his own time. Then the next fellow walks down the block. He says, oh, it's 10.38, and the clock says 10.47, i got to move what? Not my own watch, the clock. So every single person that's walking down the street is going to be moving this city clock and changing it according to their own personal time. So if Hutner says that's why the clock has to be raised and elevated out of the reach of the people of the city, so that Everybody understands that there is one uniform time. This is the time, and everybody has to calibrate their own watches to match the city time. And that way, everybody can be on the same page in terms of what time it is. Cesar of Hutner, that's exactly the way it is with leadership. That's exactly the way it is with Rabbonus. There are types of Rabbonim, and there are types of Rabbeim, and there are types of Rashi yeshiva that they're always being changed by their balabatim, by their community, by their boards, because they're low. They carry themselves in a low way. They're the one. They're going on golfing outings with the guys, and they're going on boating trips with the guys, and they're going to the movies with the guys and Broadway shows. They're basically one of the guys there's, And there's a there's a president of the show. There's a gabe in the show. There's the rabbi. They're, they're, we're all the same. And every single person that has his own ideology, he's able to shift the ideology of the rabbi. So, if today the rabbi, you know, um, if we feel that it's important for the mechitzah to be lowered or for there to be a, you know, a, a one-way mechitzah or a no mechitzah, we'll just have a talk with the rabbi. We'll say the board decided this. Rabbi say, okay, fine, that's cool, because he's the low clock rabbi. He's the clock. He's the rabbi that everybody changes his time based on their own time. But you, says Hutner, who hired this Rav, who has principles and gives real direction to all of us, his clock is high up and you respect him. You allow him to have his clock raised and you understand that he's the one that has the time and you all calibrate your time based on his time, your is based on his hashgufas. Your direction based on his direction, your halacha based on his halacha, the way you raise your family, the way you raise your your the way you operate your business, the way that you give tzedakah is all based on the rabbi. That's commendable to be able to have a rav that is able to do that and that the people allow for him to do that. It's a it's a shidduch you have to have the right community and the Rav has to be the right type of leader and together there has to be a, this delicate dance of making the people happy with their Rav and respecting him and allowing the Rav to do his thing and, and give guidance. Sometimes this works beautifully in certain communities. Sometimes it's an absolute disaster. Sometimes the people really do not like the fact that the Rabbi is leading them like that and they rebel and often they get rid of the Rabbi. Rabbi Sol Salanter has one of his famous sayings. He says, A Rav that everybody loves is like super popular, Rabbi. We love the Rabbi. He's not a Rav. He's obviously doing something wrong. If you're too popular, that means that you're probably the low the clock Rabbi, you know, that, that allows everybody to do whatever they want with you, and so everybody's happy. But he says, A Rav that everybody abhors. A rub that everybody can stand is Nishkan mensch. He's not a mensch. You have to be able to find that proper balance that I'm 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 liked, but I'm not necessarily loved. I'm respected, but at the same time, people are not are are are, are not uh, are, are not trying to rebel against me. It's a very delicate balance that a rub has to have. A Rebbe has to have this in Yeshiva. A Rosh Hashiva has to have this because Rosh Hashiva also, you know, has a, very often a certain Hashgavik things that come up. And whatever you're, whatever the school that you're running is, you know, whether it's a, an elementary school, high school, base medrash, whatever it may be, there's always things that come up, whether or not it's, a, you know, Yom Matzmut, Yom Yer are we saying Hallel, are we not saying halal? I'm not. I'm not weighing in on it. But whatever your core beliefs are, if your beliefs are that if this is your Messiah to say hello, to so say hello, aye, but people are against it. But this is what you believe in. You're the leader. If your core beliefs is not to say hello, that it's that's not the right thing to do for. Because paiskim say that you shouldn't. Say hallo, so don't tell us aye, but the baal batim are insisting. To say hallo. I'm sorry. This is my. Uh, you are, you hired me to be the Manal, to be the rishriba. We have to provide this as as the as the uh, as the, the template of what we're doing. And this happens every day in every yeshiva, and it happens every day in every shul, and it's a very, very difficult thing to captain a shul, a yeshiva, a community, there's always this issue, but at core, what's the hashkafah zateira? Asher yetzir A leader must be, in the words of Meshach Abenu, a person who leads. He has core principles, he has beliefs, he has dastira, he has ashkafa, and this is what he goes ahead in ahead. And he shows that he's not a hypocrite, he's doing it himself, like Gideon did it himself, and then they're gonna follow. But a person has to know, if you're going to be a Jewish leader of any, of any sort, in any communal role that you might be someday asked or appointed to be, whether it's the president of a shul, whether it's a rab, whether it's to be a shiva, to be a, a menal, or, or whatever it is, even in communal life or even in, in corporate life, if you're a CEO of a company, or if you're a, if you're a, a surgeon, or you're a lawyer, or you're a, a partner, and you, you're expected to have values and stick by those values. Even if something is, you know, they're trying to, to do some shtick in your organization and cut corners and, and do something illegal or do something a, a little bit, you have to be able to say, no, this is not appropriate. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to resign if that's what it takes, but I will not concede, I will not surrender my values. That's what a leader is. Strong, disciplined, principled. At the same time, being very astute politically and making sure that the people understand you, respect you, and they know that you're unbendable, you're unflappable because this is what you believe in. Make sure that they understand what you're doing. You have to sell it to them properly. You have to communicate your beliefs and allow them to understand what's, what's wrong with what they want to do. But ultimately, you have to lead. And if a person's able to be a leader like Moshe Rabbeinu, like Yeshua, that is what brought Klai Yisrael to this point in history, that we're flourishing, Baruch Hashem. Because we've had leadership throughout the diris, dar or dar, that were strong, and they did not compromise. Going throughout history, but to the most recent diaries of Moshe Me- Feinstein and, and Rav Aaron Kotler, Rav Shraga Mendelovitz, Rav Yaakov Yasef Herman, Rabbi Ber Salavechik. These are people that were great leaders at a time that Klai Israel needed leadership and they brought us here to where we are today because of that strong, disciplined leadership. The Lubavitcher Rebbe and, uh, and all the Hasidish Rebbes, the Belzer Rebbe and the Satmer Rebbe, each with their own Hashkafas. You're allowed to have your own, but stick to your principles. And when you're strong and you stick to your principles, people will, will respect you, people will follow you. As long as they see that you mean it sincerely and that you are higher than them. You are the town clock that's raised, that's elevated, and not compromised by every single person. And you're, you're basically blowing in the wind. Your ashgafis are so are so mutable, and you can, you know, you could change based on whatever is popular today. That's a very dangerous way to lead. So Mits Hashem, we should take this Yasid from the Parsha. And we should be able to go mechayel al-chayel and mitzvah Hashem. Everybody should have a beautiful Shabbos and a meaningful three weeks.